What's going on, NFL fans? Welcome to the Football Game Plan NFL All 32 podcast. We are now getting into week number four here on the podcast. I am David Hassagan, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, Troy Anthony, and Alex Marinoni with us. Gentlemen, how are we feeling after week three? Is everyone is everybody got their tickets for the uh, Daniel Jones hype train? Is that is that is everybody's got their pick punched? I'm all aboard, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has to be. You and Kurt Warner apparently are the, are the uh, Kurt Warner. The Kurt Warner's the engineer. Take. He's the engineer. What was the hot take? Read the hot take that he had. The, the Kurt Warner. I, I I don't remember the exact quote. I will try to find it here. But he said that that was the best performance by any starting quarterback in the entire season. I'm sorry. Didn't somebody have a perfect passer rating? <laughs> Two. Uh, didn't didn't uh, <laughs> against, against that same team? Is, right. is it Patrick Mahomes? I, I believe he's on pace for five thousand plus passing yards this season. But this man hasn't like let's say Lamar Jackson, right? <laughs> hasn't turned the ball over at all this year. That was a big bugaboo for him last year. The fumbles, right? Yeah. So you go ahead. You got it. You pulled uh, it. Here it is. We all know hashtag Daniel Jones got his first win today in time dramatic out. fashion. Time out, time out. First of all, why are you hashtagging Daniel Jones? Because he's Kurt Warner. That's what I'm saying. That's yes. why, why are you hashtagging like at the man? But go ahead. <laughs> and that excites every at Giants fan. He tagged the Giants too. This is good. But maybe more exciting after watching tape, I thought his game was one of the cleanest of all halves any starting quarterback this year in terms of making correct throws slash reads and all caps, it was his first start. Kurt Warner's he just bathed in a whole thing of Kool Aid, didn't he? How, how much? How many fumbles this dude had yesterday? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And if the dude from Tampa Bay catches the ball that hits him in the face mask again, that's an interception. Plus, if Tampa fumbles. Bay knows how to make a kick, the Giants don't. We'll win the get game. into that coaching decision. <laughs> that was one of two very interesting coaching decisions we saw yesterday in, in the NFL. That's one way to put it. Let's get into the week three scores, folks, and we're going to start with Thursday night. The Minshew era, though, is well underway in Jacksonville. Minshew and his mustache win 20-7 to over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but he's the first Jaguars quarterback with two-plus TDs in the first quarter of a game. So, good job for uh, Minshew. Actually, he's the fifth one. Excuse me, f- fifth, not first. But Minshew off to a good start in Jacksonville. Yeah, he's off to a great start. I was more shocked at how ineffective Marcus Mariota looked Thursday night. I'm surprised he had over 300 yards passing because it seemed like he didn't complete any passes. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to Jacksonville's defense. Calais Campbell I tweeted out during the game. I felt like he got taller with every sack. <laughs> like by the end of the game, he was at nine feet tall. <laughs> like he just looks so much bigger than everybody out there. So uh, credit their defense and Minshew for doing what you expect your number two quarterback to do. Patriots and the Jets went about as expected, 30-14 to to New England. Brady passing Drew Brees for the second-most touchdown passes in NFL history. Jets showed a little bit of fight, but with a third-string quarterback, not really much you can do. Yeah, as expected, Patriots go in and get it done. Shame they didn't cover the spread in this game. <laughs> I mean, the Jets' offense just looks terrible. Beat the spread, baby. The defense has outscored them so far on the year, but as expected, the Patriots go in and get the job done. Buffalo Bills, one of three AFC teams to begin the season 3-0. and We'll talk about undefeated teams later here in the podcast. They knock off the Bengals 21-17. Cincinnati didn't look good, but Buffalo, yeah. they might be for real. They played three powerhouses to start the year, so yeah. they've been killing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sarcasm from Alex Marinoli to start hey, listen, off They were my underrated team to start the year. So, um, that's true. Uh, no, I, they do look good, and i got to say Josh Allen has done a nice job. He throws a pick in this game, but he's done a nice job uh, leading this team, and uh, coming back, I mean, they blew the lead, and he has the wherewithal again. The second time this year, he's had to uh, make a comfort behind win, and he did it. 
Dallas Cowboys also 3-0. Again, no surprise, though. They defeated the Dolphins 31-6. Dak Prescott, now the fastest Cowboys quarterback to reach 75 career touchdown passes. Should we just get his his, his name up ready for the uh, Ring of Honor in, in Dallas? All you hear on Twitter and on national TV is that this guy is terrible. But all you see is this guy helps his team win football games, hmm. healthy for all 16 games, breaking Cowboy passing records. In a, what a franchise that has had Dan, uh, Dandy Don Meredith, uh, Roger Starback, Troy Aikman, um, Danny White, and Tony Romo. He's breaking all these passing records, but all you hear is him being terrible, and he's winning because of everything else around him. But he's the common denominator, and everything else around him constantly changes. So shout-out to Dak Prescott and that Cowboys offense for doing what they had to do against Miami. Stepping up, and again, they look like they're having fun, which is the biggest thing. Green Bay, 27-16 over Denver. The Packers are off to a good start, but the Broncos are looking absolutely awful in the early going. Once again, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers do enough to get it done. They pull away a little bit later, but this defense is showing that it is the truth. Getting to Flacco six times and holding the Broncos in check, but that Broncos defense is starting to get sus with Von Miller and Nick Chubb not being able to get, I'm sorry, Bradley Chubb not being able to get to Rodgers even once on the day. Let's move on to Indianapolis. The Colts are 2-1. They beat the Falcons 27-24. The Falcons, Julio Jones has looked good. Everywhere else, though, not so much. But the Colts, 2-1. and one. Who would have thought that, considering the offseason drama? Yeah, everybody's ready to write this team off already without Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett taking it a step further, not just being a game manager in this game, but making winning throws with his arm, throwing for 310 yards and two scores. He was definitely the def- difference maker in this game for the Colts. And, again, Matt Ryan, red zone struggles. Even though it was just one pick in this game, it was another red zone interception where you don't score a touchdown here. It's okay. Kick the field goal. They lose this game by three. No surprise. Again, folks, remember where you heard it here, not to panic about the Colts. We said they were going to be pretty, they're going to be fine. At least most of us did, I think. Uh, let's move on to the next game here. This was a fun one. We knew it was going to be Chiefs versus Ravens. 33-28 to Kansas City. Chiefs set an NFL record. There's the 24th straight game with 25 points or more. Ravens, though, had a really nice comeback in this game. Lamar Jackson showing his athleticism and his ability to make a play when needed. Well, I think the biggest story of this ball game was how dominant Kansas City's defensive line looked in rushing the passer. Yeah, They gave Lamar Jackson that offense fits as far as the passing game is concerned because the Ravens were still able to run the football effectively, but they couldn't get time back there in the pocket to get guys open downfield. So their defense stepped up big time. This was a great game back and forth and another one of those peculiar coaching decisions that we saw early in this (laughs) game uh, from John Harbaugh ended up costing them in the end because they only lost by five. You're talking about Going for two early on in the yep. ball game, we didn't really have to. You now you're you're up six nothing. You go for every fourth down. You give Kansas City a half field to work with. Not trusting your defense to make plays, and now you find yourself losing by five. They went zero for three on all their two point conversions. So you add a point there. Now you don't have to get a touchdown to win the game. You only need a field goal to either tie or win. Coaching in conjunction with great play by Pat Mahomes and that Chiefs defense, in my opinion, was the real real reason why they won that game. Lions and Eagles. If I told you after three weeks, one of these teams would be undefeated. I think I know a lot of people would have the answer of Philadelphia. Not the case. The Detroit Lions get a win 27-24 over Philly. They're now 2-0-1. Philadelphia Eagles 1-2. What's going on in the city of brotherly love? Yeah, this was a shocker for me. I know that the Eagles receivers were really hurting. Uh, they saw, they had a couple of drops that kind of cost them the game late. But Detroit pulls it out, surprisingly. Um, Carson Wentz still did well, but Matthew Stafford did enough to pull this one out. 
Let's move on now to Minnesota. The Vikings off to get a nice recovery after the loss last week. 34-14 over the Oakland Raiders. Adam Thielen with two touchdowns, one receiving, one rushing. He's tur- again showing why he's one of the more dynamic wide receivers in the league. Yeah, and he's going to have to be because the uh, Kirk Cousins airing the ball out show seems to be over in Minnesota. They yeah. seem to be limiting his, uh, his, abil- his uh, attempts at throwing, and they're really leaning on Dalvin Cook while they have him. Um, and it was nice to see Alexander Mattinson with uh, 12 carries for 58 yards. They uh, they really did what they had to do against a team like the Raiders coming at home. They took care of him by 20 points, and they did it run first. Carolina Panthers are off the schneid. They get their first win of the season, 38-20 over the Arizona Cardinals. Christian McCaffrey had another outstanding game. He's now actually has the most scrimmage uh, yards in his first three seasons in team history. Carolina, no Cam Newton, doesn't look like much of a problem. This is the second game in a row where Kyle Allen has played outstanding football. You go back to week 17 against New Orleans. He looked great in that game in that 33-17 win, I believe, or 15 win against New Orleans. Doubles that up with a great performance against the Cardinals. Quietly, he is looking better than what they drafted in Will Greer, who still isn't ready to be the backup. So Kyle Allen had did a great – he did a great job uh, last year and also last – uh, or not last week, but yesterday against the Cardinals. <laughs> Technically, it's last week. We'll, yeah, we'll give it to week. you last week. All right, folks, the Daniel Jones hype train. We're going we're gonna to get to Troy with this one, too. The Giants win 32-31 over Tampa Bay. Daniel Jones, his first NFL start. He became the first NFL rookie quarterback with at least 300 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, and two rushing touchdowns in the game since 1970. That according to Adam Schefter. 32-31. Should people, though, really be this excited about this ball game danny dimes gets it done baby (laughs) no he had a good game he also had a couple of uh fumbles during the game and he had an interception that should have been from tampa bay buccaneers defense but no pick he gets it done giants lose saquon though we don't know how long that's going to be for that's going to be tough but once again like you said last week their their defense looks like switch cheese with all the holes and they got lucky with a missed field goal at the end of the game let's talk about the decision before we move anywhere else who takes a delay of game to move a field goal kicker who's already missed an extra point back to extra point range? If he's five yards closer, it's good. Here's the thing. All this hype about Daniel Jones leading this incredible comeback. What a gift. And he still has not played a team that's a top echelon NFL defense. So we'll have to see. But as you mentioned with Saquon, it sounds like a few weeks for him. It's just a high ankle sprain, uh, not a tear or anything muscular there. Let's move on, though. The Texans against the Chargers. Texans go to 2-1, and 27-20. I mean, this is another great performance from this Houston offense where the defense is used to the star. Yeah, and uh, this was... If there is such a thing as a must-win at Week 3, this is a definition for both teams. Both teams yeah. are 1-1 one and, one, um, and have tough divisions ahead of them. And I got Deshaun Watson gets it done. He had a struggle last week against the Jaguars, throws for 350 and three touchdowns, uh, doing it more than just his legs. And somebody, somebody tell me why Duke Johnson is not more involved in this offense. <laughs> they do get the win, but... Watching Carlos Hyde's 10 carries, 19 yards, just doesn't do it for me. And Chargers not able to close. Texans outscored them 20-3 to in the second half. Let's move to Seattle now. I feel like the Chargers and Texans play the same game every week, no matter oh, yeah. opponent. No, absolutely they, they each do. Have, it's always gonna, <laughs> Texans are always going to have that type of game. Chargers are going to have a game where they always are hanging on by a thread. They play the same. They're in a, a continuous time loop, I believe those teams are. Uh, let, let's move back to Seattle, though. The New Orleans Saints. Wait, who died at quarterback? It's not Drew Brees. This is their first win for a New Orleans quarterback since Brees gained the starter in 2005, 33-27. A huge confidence boost for New Orleans. 
Huge confidence boost. They got it done with offense, defense, and special teams. So a complete team effort. Deontay Harris should be more involved in the offense, in my opinion. He had the touchdown to, to really start the, the onslaught. Great play by Eli Apple to force a fumble, which led to a defensive touchdown. And Bridgewater did exactly what you expect your number two quarterback to do. Manage the game well. Get points. Avoid the costly turnover. Great team win by the Saints. Let's move on to Sunday to uh, the late game on Sunday. One of the late games on Sunday. San Francisco tending, taking on Pittsburgh. The 49ers take care of business 3-0 for the first time since 1998-24-20 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about the panic button for Pittsburgh. The Steel City's got to be all pressing it collectively as one now. Yeah, I think that um, the Steelers are in better shape than what I thought they would have been. Mason Rudolph did a nice job uh, kind of managing and controlling the game, but San Fran just dominated time of possession, 36 minutes to 23, uh, relying on that run game. As a, as a team, they rushed for 168, and that defense just stopped Pittsburgh's running game, only allowing them 79 yards. Absolutely outstanding from San Francisco. They kind of, I'm guessing they probably don't want the bye week right now going into week four. Sunday night football, L.A. Rams taking on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. Rams take care of business 20-13. Uh, Cooper Cup with another two-touchdown day. Question, though, for everybody around the room. If you're fourth and nine, what play call are you not running? <laughs> <laughs> Man. A draw play. Interesting play call from Cleveland. They're one and two, and already, well, it, they're not as good as we thought they were. Only three weeks in, but is it too early to panic yet? No, not at all. Um, you got a rookie head coach uh, who hasn't proved anything right now. Um, I mean, he's calling the plays, and I think we could, everyone could agree. The casual fan could agree that some of the other than the fourth and nine draw play, some of these other plays <laughs> down the stretch were very questionable and putting his quarterback in some rough situations. And his quarterback's not making it easier, thinking he can just outrun anybody and just leave the pocket. But outside of that, Rams have an incredible defense, and they showed it on display again, despite a, a late Jared Goff pick. They had to step up again, um, and they got it done um, on the road for the second time already this year. Before we move on to the uh, media here of the podcast, let's talk about the Monday night game. We are recording this on Monday morning, uh, so we do not know the result, but we can at least give you a little bit of a preview here. Bears at Redskins, Monday night football tonight. Redskins have won seven straight games against Chicago. What are some things that we should be looking for here for a Bears team that's sputtering on offense and the Redskins looking for their first win? Well, defense for the Redskins have to play better, and Mr. Trubisky has to play better on offense. I think that's like the key to the game. That is essentially it because if either doesn't happen the opposite team will win the game yeah this Redskins team opened up the year against two divisional foes week one against the Eagles last week against the Cowboys and they played well in both of them so if the Bears don't come to play tonight they could find themselves on the losing end and what they definitely need to do and I've been preaching it and preaching it and I will continue is get Cohen the ball they need to get these running backs more involved I've been saying it since the offseason and I'm going to continue saying it until I see it is that the X vector we should be watching for in this game absolutely Terry Cohen has got to be involved he's got to help out Mitch Trubisky and this is the de this is the type of defense that Mitch Trubisky should be able to get on the right track with and this Chicago Bear offense for the most part um, and in the on the other side Case Keenum has been able to put up points and this is a much better defense than he's faced, but he's faced a good defense those first two weeks with those divisional uh, foes. So uh, if, if the offense can't get going with the Bears, I could see Keenum throwing up 20 on this game. It'll be an interesting game for sure tonight, Redskins and Bears. Let's move now into uh, – we talked about it a little bit here. Alex went into some details. The Cleveland Browns, all the hype, all the big names, all the incredible moves this offseason to start 1-2. and two. And that one win came against the New York Jets, who 
we obviously know the situation there. They're now down to their third-string quarterback at this point, although he was picked in the same spot as Brady, so clearly he's the second coming. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Cleveland, though. We talked about the rookie head coach. We know that, there, that you know there's some growing pains for any rookie in the NFL. It doesn't matter if it's a coach, a player, or whoever. But what is really going wrong with Cleveland? Because there's no help anywhere right now. Well, their offense just doesn't look like it looked last year. At Last year, if you're basing off what we saw in, in with Baker Mayfield and, and why Freddie Kitchens got the job, so okay, obviously him and Baker have a connection. They clicked. The offense was, was pushing the pace. They were averaging you know 25 to 30 points a game. So you carry that expectation along with the fact that they added Odell Beckham. They added Kareem Hunt, who's going to be coming in. Uh, obviously, Callaway, you, you didn't expect him to get suspended, but they had, he had great rapport with Higgins, who has been injured. So they have talent on offense. The offensive line, yes, they lose Zeitler, but you expect that offensive line you know, was better, better than one player. Uh, but then they cut their starting left tackle prior to the season in Greg Robinson, um, and they haven't looked effective on offense. They look like a team uh, that still – that is trying to learn a new offense. Now, whether that was Todd Munkin's offense or whether it was Todd Haley's offense last year, how much influence did Freddie Kitchens have offensively now that we're finding out, you know, because, yeah, yeah they were still working with uh, Todd Haley's playbook probably uh, when he got fired midseason with Hugh Jackson and all those guys like that. Now you bring in a new OC and someone else is called – and uh, Kitchens is calling the plays. Who has control? Baker is holding the football too long, taking a lot of sacks. They're not getting uh, true commitment or not staying committed to the running game because quietly, let's say last night, for instance, against the Rams, Chubb had success, but then he got away from it and tried to force Baker to be the story, unless it's so many words, um, for, for lack of better terms, and that didn't work. It ultimately cost them the game. One, because you get down inside the red zone and you don't give the ball to Chubb with the timeouts you had uh, in that situation. They proved that they couldn't really – you know, slow down Chubb. And then you put Baker Mayfield. You see he was sort of rattled back there, escaping clean pockets, not really finding targets deep down the field, just not being effective. And we've seen this over three games. Um, and so, yeah, th- I think offensively they were uh, they, they, they haven't been the pro- they haven't been successful. Plus, everyone thought with your entire secondary out last week or, you know, last game, going up against his Rams passing attack, that they were going to get slaughtered in the pass game. The secondary actually gave them a chance to win. Picking off a pass, having success. Uh, the only person that he really couldn't contain was Cooper Cup, but yeah, yeah. it's tough to contain him running those crossing routes and things of that nature. Uh, but it wasn't the defense that lost this game for the Rams. It was, I mean, for the Browns, it was their offense. Jeez, Emery, just take every single point. <laughs> I had a lot to say. I had a lot to say. <laughs> no, but um, – this Browns team, I mean, week one, get trashed by the Titans. Week two, against a th- comes down to a third-string quarterback, and they didn't look like anything special against the Jets. Still yeah. beating them 23-3. to They should have blown that team out. And this week, I said it week one, Baker looked skittish, and it continues this week. He has a clean pocket, but he decides to run outside of the pocket and ends up having to throw the ball away multiple times. And when you have an offense, when you have somebody calling your offense who runs a draw play, on a fourth and eight or nine, <laughs> like there's no conceivable reason for that. Go to from Odell. anybody who watches the NFL Go to, to Odell. want to draw a play. 
And Baker, it, there's some throws he makes that it just looks like he has a pre preconceived decision before the play even starts. And there's other people wide open. When you're when you have fourth and goal or first and goal at the end of the game, and Chubb has been doing well to not even line a running back up in the backfield to, to give the defense that threat. They go five wide and they just the Rams send the house. The Rams yeah. send the house. There's no threat for a run when you've been doing that successfully. Why are you calling that offense? And on third and goal, on third and goal, they call go, and he immediately throws it to the tight end. If you rewatch that play, Jarvis Landry is wide open crossing yeah. Baker's face. The defender is about three yards behind him. Once again, this is Baker Mayfield having that preconceived notion, this is where I'm going. It would have been a tied game. We would have went to overtime. But yeah. one, Baker... He's just he's he's very skittish right now, and he's gonna have to relax and trust his receivers. When you have Odell and Jarvis, give yourself time to get the ball downfield. And and it's certainly not helping that Baker. Obviously, he's you know he's such a you know not egotistical figure, but he's such a lightning rod for the media and social media and that sort of thing. He's got all the attention to Cleveland going into this year, and now he's got all the negative attention. Skip Bayless is already saying that he doesn't think Cleveland's head coach is gonna survive the season. Uh, you, it, it's turned into a lot of, you know, hey, look at us. Oh, wait, don't look at us. Oh, you're already looking at us. Oh, it, sorry, just it, ignore what you're seeing. But for Cleveland, what, where does the correction come from? Because, again, defense, they've looked fine. That's another issue. In his post-game pro in his post game conference, what is he saying? Oh, I know what you guys are already going to write about me, this, that, and other. As a starting quarterback in the NFL, why is that one of your first thoughts post-game? At least you just he's, had a, yeah. a, a terrible loss. At least he's in Cleveland and not in New York. Imagine if he says that in New York. What what are the papers going to write about him here? Like this is going to that would be absolutely slaughter. Like it, it it's like I get it. he's a confident player. He has a right to be. He was outstanding in college. He had a great first year in the NFL. You got to take it down a couple notches. It's not you. It's not supposed to be about you. But like this is something we brought up though. There's a lot of ego in the locker room. It's not just him. And that's the problem. It looks like Freddie Kitchens. It looks like they chose Freddie Kitchens as their head coach, obviously with his rapport with Baker Mayfield. But he seems to be more of a player's guy yeah. rather than. And they they saw all the issues that they had with Greg Williams. Greg Williams obviously much harder on people, but he gets results. And that's the problem. Is that it's almost like they're letting them have too much. Uh, like free spirits and let them be too active like if you're a head coach you got to preach that you haven't done anything yet not like you were even a playoff team last year Uh, the issues that I have though is is mainly on falls on Freddie Kitchens and uh, this comes back to last Monday night and where I was really like this guy has no control or at least have a clue of what's going on is they're up 23 to 3 under two minutes to go in the Jets territory and this team he has his franchise quarterback dropping back to pass in the for no reason. Jets aren't calling timeouts. This game is over. And he had his franchise quarterback take a sack. Why? What type of decision is that? Now, if Baker goes down in that, in that type of situation, yeah. those are the small type of decisions that that should be slam dunk decisions. You run the ball out. You need it out. You do whatever you got to do. They want the big play so bad. And I saw it in this game. In this game, when they needed, uh, they needed the uh, drive down the field, all I see is Landry... Odell running fly routes, and then I see maybe a tight end shootout into the—it's just one read. Either going to go yeah. deep or you're going to go here. Why are those two not crossing the field? Why is Odell not catching slants? We saw it with the Giants. It, Eli Manning struggled, but what worked for the Giants' offense? Getting the ball to Odell's hands as quick as possible. Landry and Odell need the ball in their hands. You can't just have them uh, run under a 45-yard bomb every time. It's got to be something quick and get it into the athlete's hands. But the highlight reel says 45-yard bombs are what he does best, but— well, 
you shouldn't look at the highlight reel. The the saving grace for the Browns, though, is that they're one and two, and in their two losses, it's been close games. Yes. You know, so they they're haven't got away. Yeah, they're not far away. They, they haven't gotten blown out. So they didn't get blown out against the Rams. They had a chance to win at the end, which is all you ask for. And against Tennessee, Tennessee blew them out. But I thought that game got out of hand late. It was still a tight game yeah. in the third to early parts of the fourth quarter yeah. before it fell apart. So they're right there. If they can just figure out offense, they'll be just fine. Because on paper, they should average 35 points a game. But in in reality, their offense is sputtering. It looks as though this is the first time they've worked together, which is bizarre to see because you you don't expect – a team with this amount of talent at the per, on the perimeter to be struggling, and you're going to get uh, in a couple of weeks, I think week ten or whatever, you're going to get Hunt. Kareem Hunt back. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to have two tremendous tailbacks in Chubb and Hunt. Maybe you should start to take a little bit off Baker's plate, yeah. allow him to operate off play action, lean on Chubb until Baker starts to feel a little bit more comfortable. Because as much as the people that that love analytics say you don't throw the ball all day, you don't need to run a game. We see how that plays out in Arizona. Uh, we see how that plays out constantly when you're trying to throw the football. Yeah, a lot you you end up losing, and you don't help out your pass pro. Running the football allows you to to have good pass protection because when you play action, it matters. Even though the Rams do a great job of play action constantly, almost on every passing attempt, and they even do it when they're not running the ball. But the the simple matter, the fact is that because they have the threat of uh, Gurley in the backfield. Not saying that he's on the level of Gurley, but Chubb can have that same threat. There is no reason for you to drop back that many times and, and not pose that threat to the running, uh, you know, for pose a threat to the defense with your running game. So I think they need to de emphasize Baker a little bit, lean on Chubb a little bit, then allow Baker to, to operate off that play action, and then those deep shots will come. And it doesn't get any easier for Cleveland next week. They've got Baltimore. So you're getting into the divisional schedule now. It's, you know, as much as you want to say, hey, we should hold back and try something different. You almost can't because you have to start winning games now. Well, they got Baltimore, New England, San Francisco, and Seattle coming up. Good luck. Like, you better learn pretty damn quick. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield, though, and talk more about his draft class because we want to get into this. This is something that's always fun to do is you look back at previous draft classes and saying, what were they thinking? Or, wow, what a steal. Let's talk about the specifically, though, the quarterback class from 2018. And obviously... It's still almost too early to call in terms of a career's worth of work. It's still very early on. You're only talking about year two for these guys. But already out of the 13 quarterbacks that have that were drafted in that class, eight of them have seen the field in the NFL. So they've gotten a lot of action very, very quickly. So we're going to try – let's see if we can rank these guys. We've got. Let's talk about the eight guys that have actually gotten onto the field and gotten some snaps. So Mike White, Tanner Lee – uh, Danny Etling, Alex McGough, and uh, Logan Whiteside, uh, Woodside, excuse me. Uh, we won't be including them in there unless they have not actually seen the field in the NFL yet. Uh, we don't know if they will or not. We'll find out. But the eight quarterbacks that have seen the field, Baker Mayfield obviously was number one. Sam Darnold at number three to the Jets. Josh Allen from Buffalo at number seven. Josh Rosen at number 10. Lamar Jackson at 32. Mason Rudolph at 76, Kyle Lawletta at 108, and Luke Falk at 199 are the eight quarterbacks to choose from here. I mean, there's some good quarterbacks in this group, but there's got to be some shuffling after what we've seen on the field. Well, according to football game plan scouting, 
2018 <laughs> prospect <laughs> rankings for the position. Cheap plug. Here's how I had them graded. I had Jackson as number one, followed by Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. I actually had Kyle Loletta ahead of Josh Allen. Then I had Josh Allen and um, a couple of guys ahead of Mason Rudolph, the Mason Rudolph, and, and Luke Falk I wasn't as high on. Right. So that's how I had them initially. Do you agree with your list now compared to what you've seen on the field? I will still have Lamar Jackson, number one. Yeah. Number two, instead of Sam Darnold, because he hasn't proven to be on the field. He, he missed games as a rookie. Yep. And he has missed games this year. With mono, of all things. Of all, like, like tell, tell the public I have a bruised lung or something. <laughs> yeah, Do not tell the public spleen. I have mono. Something. I have something, something. with my spleen. Like, right. Yeah, don't tell them. <sighs> it, I, don't it tell couldn't them, be like, more right. Jets if they tried. So it would, couldn't be more Jets. I would have Baker Mayfield number two behind Lamar Jackson. Um, at number three, I would still put Sam Darnold. I would put Josh Allen four. Okay. Because Allen is amazing how low Allen, the bar yeah. that people have true. set for Josh <laughs> yeah, Allen. That's true. You know, Allen quietly pass. is, you know, the reason why the Bengals came back in that game. Yeah. He's also the reason why they didn't blow out the Giants when they had the chance to blow out the Giants. Yes, he's competent, but you don't take someone seventh and expect them to be basic. You take someone seventh and expect them to be game-changing. He's been good, but he is not what he has been projected to be as the seventh overall pick. But the, low, the bar has been set low. With all that said, he has played well. He's not afraid of pressure. Yeah. His athleticism is what is keeping this team on the winning side of the, the, the record. So I think he would be fourth in my – I would put him fourth behind uh, uh, Darnold. Then Mason Rudolph, you move him up. <laughs> and then you can move – I don't know, man. Lawletta and Rosen. I've seen, more, see Rosen I've seen better play from Lawletta in preseason <laughs> than I have from Josh Rosen in the regular season. So I would I, – you know – I don't know if it's fair or not to to put Josh Rosen uh, behind Loletta. Let's say regular season game. So Rosen would be sixth after Mason Rudolph. Okay. All right. I can see that. I mean, you talk about Josh Allen, especially we saw that at Wyoming. His ability to get out of the pocket is what served him so well there at a smaller school. But you're right. Buffalo fans are weird. Buffalo fans can be a little bit strange at times. Cause well, they're being fans because – and, and, and to, it's sad because you see it – they're trickle over fans. to the to the media. They're great fans because people that passionate. tend to cover the team, yeah. tend to be fans of the. You know, it's, it's, I didn't know that till I got into. But that's NFL. This, that's every NFL team now, right? But it takes away objectivity because yeah. now you feel as though you have to defend Josh Allen instead of just calling it like you see it. Yeah, you know. So he has played well, but he also ha- he's played well enough compared to what he did last year. So if we look at his numbers, how well is he playing? People will quickly point to. Completion percentage. He's in the 60s. But these these are the same people that, that said last year when he was in the 50s, well, completion percentage is not a true indication of, of accuracy. <laughs> which is true, but pick which side of – which one, yeah. right, Exactly. Which one are we going to talk about this week? You yeah, know, so, like, like if you're going to say completion percentage is the, the be-all and end-all, all right, let's just ignore the other 30% when he almost had him picked or he was picked. Like there's a difference. Like there's like, a massive difference. Can't have massive it both difference. ways, man. But I would, I was today. I would go Jackson, Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, and Allen's probably closer to Darnold. 
um, Rudolph based off yesterday, even right. though he he had one good pass, uh, and Rosen because Rosen just hasn't it just hasn't clicked for him. Yeah, for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. Let's go to Alex next. Alex, how do you rank this class now? Yeah, I was similar. Um, I had Darnold one, Mayfield two, Jackson three, and then Allen Rosen as my four or five with Rudolph at six. Uh, back in 2018, when I was looking at this class. Um, and as a Jet fan, I was very interested in this class, obviously knowing that. <laughs> very happy at the yeah, initially, yeah. Because yes. I was, we're getting one of these guys. And yeah. uh, I knew in the end, it had to be three. And I wanted Darnold or Mayfield or Jackson. I was either with those three I was fine with. Um, and now looking at things, I think it's clear Lamar Jackson is, I'm not going to say in a field of his own because he still has to sure up things, but he's the clear one. He's the most unique Absolutely. of this and, group. I mean, he had the, the athleticism and everything coming into that. And some of these other quarterbacks, you're starting to see it a little bit more, but not to his level. And now and you can see he can throw the ball. And that's what was his. Yeah. He's a quarterback that can throw the ball. So um, Jackson, definitely number one. I still have Darnold at number two over Mayfield. Reason being is because what Mayfield is showing with his pocket presence is very concerning for an NFL team. He's used to having that big pocket in the Big 12 with Oklahoma, spreading everybody out, looking his first read, and having his first read open. And if he didn't, he had enough time. Or he, and college is much different to run around. Um, he's trying to do that here, and he can't do that here because he doesn't have the ability to do that here. Huh. I think Donald's pocket presence is what separates him from Mayfield to me. And... In my opinion, it's hard to it's hard to rank that because Darnold's only played the one game this year. He had a tough game against Buffalo, and right. he didn't play his best. Um, he didn't play well in the game, uh, but he's not surrounded by the the star power that is in Cleveland. And um, I think had that's that's almost the way you have to. I measure them is that if I had Darnold in Cleveland, I think you'd be getting more out of that offense than mm. what Baker's proving. Um, but I have those guys at the top three just reshuffle with Jackson up there. I also have Josh Allen at four, and I was very harsh on Rosen. He was the only one I didn't want out of that whole draft class. Um, I'm not going to call him six, though, because Mason Rudolph's played a game and a half. Um, and I, So I'll just do five, six there, but it's almost interchangeable. And then Loyaletta and – or Falk then Loyaletta just from playing time at that point. But um, just haven't seen enough tape on them. But as far as those top three goes, I just kind of shuffle it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> my top five when they came out, I had – Baker at number one. <clears throat> I had Allen at number two. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. Darnold at number three. Rosen at number four. And Jackson at number five. And the so only it kind of played out exactly like as far as like the draft order. Yeah, yeah. The only reason why I had Jackson at five is because I wanted to wait and see how he was implemented in the NFL. I loved him at Louisville, but I did, just didn't know how they would use him, whether they would use him more of as like an RG3 where you rely so heavily on his legs. I, I would have ranked him. That's, that's the reason why right. he was five. I knew that he had the arm strength. And he can do what he's doing now, but I wanted to see that. With that being said, he has to skyrocket to number one right now, right? I mean, just what he's doing this season with uh, an actual offense suited for him and not the package offense that was being run uh, for the rest of last season like we saw, his potential just has to skyrocket through the roof right now in regards to that quarterback class. Right. So he would have to be number one right now. Baker, I would say, have to remain number two for me just because 
of his potential right now and the weapons that he has around him. There's no excuse for how he's playing, uh, how that team is doing right now, but just strictly off of potential and what he can be for the foreseeable future with his weapons, I have to keep him at number two. That number three spot. Now, now you guys might want to fight me on oh, this no. one. Oh, no. Oh, no. That number three spot, I'm going to stay with Josh Allen over Darnold. I think that, <laughs> yes, last season, Allen was probably one of the worst uh, of the draft class of the draft class that actually saw game time but I like what I've seen from him from a growth standpoint going into this season and I haven't seen enough of Sam Darnold to have me leapfrog Allen yet well I'm gonna have to wait and see when he does come back how he plays to see more of how he's grown because in that week one matchup once Mosley went out, that, that game was over pretty much, and I didn't see enough for Darnold, like I said, to leapfrog him. So with that being said, Darnold is going to remain at four Okay. Uh, behind Josh Allen. And Rosen, I've, I do not like Rosen. I don't <laughs> like Rosen, but the fact of the matter is between Rudolph, Falk, and Laletta, there hasn't been enough game time for me to have them leak, ro- leap Rosen, who has seen – action and i believe with a a good offensive line can be a serviceable nfl quarterback serviceable and right after rosen i'm gonna have to go mason rudolph he's i loved him at oklahoma state with james washington and we have one week to go off of last week i was surprised to not see more of a a a mason rudolph james washington connection especially since they did so well at oklahoma state but i believe that rudolph can be a, a decent star NFL quarterback if Big Ben decides to call it quits. I know that he said that he wants to come back, but I think that Rudolph can be a quarterback of the Steelers' future, and I do see him leapfrogging uh, Rosen in the future and possibly even becoming higher on this list. And for the last two, I have to round it out with Laletta and then Falk. That's an interesting opinion, and security will have you escorted from well, the studio. I mean, the Josh Allen take is not <laughs> a not hot ter- take. It's, it's not, not terrible. A, it's not a. I mean, let's. I didn't say it was a hot take. I said you might have to. You might ar- want to well, argue with me. Uh, here, let's let's since people love numbers, right? Let's lay out the numbers because I'm looking at all the numbers, <laughs> and people could choose whichever one they want to do. If you're if you're going by quarterback winning record, right? And people say, oh, you can't say QB wins, win loss. But it's it's so funny how the good ones never are on the bad side of the win loss record, right? Yeah. You know, so right now Lamar Jackson is eight and two as a starter. Uh the only the only quarterback that could beat him is Pat Mahomes. Like that's f- weird to even think about. Josh Allen is eight and six. He's played winning football. Baker Mayfield is seven and nine. Sam Darnold is four and ten. Josh Rosen three and eleven. And Mason Rudolph only started this one game and he's 0 and one. Now, as far as completion percentage, this is going to be interesting. Baker Mayfield is number one with 62 and a half. Lamar Jackson's number two with an even 60. Sam Darnold is third with 58.7. Rudolph, based off one game, 56.5. Josh Allen, 55.6. Josh Rosen, 53.6. Um, yards, I think as clear as Baker Mayfield, then Sam Darnold, then Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, and Mason Rudolph. Uh, touchdowns. Baker got 30. Sam got 18. Allen got 13. Lamar has 13. Rosen has 11. Rudolph has four. Um, interceptions. Mayfield has 19. Rosen has 16. 
Darnold 15, Allen 15, Jackson 3, and Rudolph has 2. So, I mean, if you want to go yards per attempt, Jackson is number 1 with 7.6. Baker is number 2, 7.6. Then Darnold 6.7, Allen 6.7, Rudolph 6.2, Rosen 5.7. Now, if you want the adjusted yards per pass attempt, which is what people tend to focus on, Lamar is at, you know, almost a full yard ahead of Mayfield at number one. He's 8.1. Mayfield is, is 7.1. Rudolph is 6. Darnold is 5.9. Allen is 5.7. Rosen is 4.5. So, Rosen has been like... He's been the biggest bust out of that first out round. Out the first round. Yeah, in rushing yards, Lamar is number one. <laughs> Allen is number two. Allen is number one in rushing touchdowns with 10. Lamar is number two with six. And everyone else is at like one, you know... That's what I want to find. I find interesting about Allen. He's actually second in total yardage. Yeah. In terms of combined rushing and passing, he's second behind Mayfield, and yeah. then Darnold is third, and it's still Lamar Jackson number four after that. And they're, they're winning games. But what has to come into play with the the yardage totals are, is definitely games played. Of course, games right, right, right. But I that's mean, the thing; it's Mar- not really that much though, because Allen's at fifteen, Darnold's at fourteen, Jackson's at nineteen. So he's played four more games, and he's still behind him in total yardage. Okay. It's it's an interesting it, it's a it's interesting like you talk about now the dual threat quarterback and how essential that is. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's the best at it right now because he's been outstanding. We saw that in the game against the Chiefs. That one run at the, in the second half was just ridiculous. But Allen's doing the same thing. He's got almost he's just about a hundred yards behind him, but he's got ten touchdowns. And we now we look at you know their playoff numbers. <laughs> and oh, of course you pa- there pause it is. for effect. Of there it is. <laughs> oh, it's only, it's only one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's get off the quarterbacks. I think we've I think we've hit, beat this horse to death a little bit. But before we get into week four, let's talk about the undefeated teams that are left in this league. Some of them are understandable. Some of them you're thinking, wait a minute, they're undefeated still? Like Detroit. How <laughs> in the world is Detroit still undefeated? But let's talk about these uh, undefeated teams. It's so easy to buy in three weeks in. But how many of these teams are we buying into when the season's over? So, undefeated teams, you got Buffalo, Dallas, Green Bay, Kansas City, Los Angeles, Rams, Patriots, and, well, Patriots, 49ers, and the Lions. I think, obviously... Patriots. Well, yeah. everybody has to. So that they're in a class of their. It's just about how far are we buying the Patriots? Right. Uh, so that's we don't even want to include them because that is a given. Why don't we? Go, what you want to go around the room and say? You know, go eat. I'll go each team and buy, sell, sell as we go around. I like that. Yeah. All right. So New England. Oh, breaking news by the way. Uh, Malik Hooker is out four to six weeks with the torn meniscus. Oh wow, ah, that's that a, hurts. That's a big hit. That yeah. hurts. He had an interception yesterday too. Uh, I think uh, this season something. Yeah, I know he had a big play yesterday, but that's a that's a uh, rough one. Breaking news here on the podcast. Here, see, folks, we're, we're always keeping an eye <laughs> on things, so we're all buying New England. Let's stay with. Let's do the AFC teams first. Buffalo, Emery. Oh man! <laughs> After all, we just talked about because their defense is phenomenal, outstanding, like at every level. Buffalo's defense is great. I do like how John Brown seems to be the only receiver that understands the scramble drill. And always is finding yep. himself working back toward Josh Allen and converting third downs. So, considering how the rest of the AFC is, I, I, I'll buy Buffalo. Okay. I'm buying Buffalo because defense and the ability to run and extend, I'm buying Buffalo a little bit right now. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to buy Buffalo as well because we know that we, we said it before the, pre- the season started. That defense is the truth. They finished first in the passing game last season, and they've only improved on their rushing defense this year. So they are going to be a good team and get a number of wins continuing. Now, b- how long this win streak is going to c- continue, I don't know. But they're definitely going to be in playoff contention. Yeah, I'm definitely buying Buffalo as well, uh, especially as it gets later in the season, and they're going to be hosting some games in some tough environments. Josh Allen, uh, for what his numbers are and his completion percentage and everything, he has the arm to go through those wins and go through that cold weather up there. So they have an advantage playing in those in uh, in their own climate. And I think he was of all the quarterbacks when we were talking about he hit he fits the Bills better than any uh, quarterback fits their team. And with Buffalo, I mean, with Josh Allen, I think. If you look at it from a from the numbers and the entire game perspective, you can say, "Yo, he's he's not that good." But if you look at the plays they need to be that need to be made when they need them to be made, right. third down inside the red zone, he's been great. So if if that continues. Mm-hmm. You're going to win a lot of games. And two games that he's had to come from behind and win, and he's he shown that he's, he's, he's able to do it. So that's that's one of the biggest things you got to do for a young quarterback. Let's get on to the last team in the AFC real quick here, Kansas City. Everybody buying into They're up the there with train? New England. They're up there with that's New England. Buy, buy, yeah. buy. All that's right, here we go. Legion of Zoom. The team and the <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Track into the, meet. Into the NFC. Dallas, another one we're all buying? I'm buying Dallas because, again, you look at the offense. It's they're having just, fun. They're having fun. It's diverse. Everyone is getting involved, and defensively, they're going to get better as the season goes on because guys are coming back. Yeah, you got to buy Dallas. You know, one of the marks of a good team is being able to make in-game adjustments. They only have a four-point lead against the Dolphins. They go out to blow them out. They get a tight game with the Redskins. They go out to bring it home. Uh, We know that defense is going to be spectacular, especially with those young linebackers. And Dak is just lighting it up so far this season, and they could hurt you anywhere with that offensive game. Yeah, I'm definitely buying in on the Cowboys, um, especially with the fact that Zeke's still getting his numbers, but it's definitely limited touches, and he's definitely not the focal point of the offense anymore, and they're putting up more points. So that's just scary in itself yeah. to know that they need this, the quote-unquote, they need him, they need him, they need him. They do. They definitely do to get that offense to go, but he's no longer the engine. The engine yes. is the quarterback now. Let's move on to the NFC North. Two teams here. Green Bay, buying or selling? Buying Green Bay because their defense and they had to win ugly games so far this year. You hope or you expect the offense to get better. That'll happen. But defensively, I think they're ready to go. They have two tremendous talents. Jair Alexander may be the best cornerback, arguably, in the game right now. And they're getting great play from Darnell Savage. Also have the second fewest points allowed behind New England in the league, only 35 through three weeks. Troy? You have to buy Green Bay, right? Because not only is that defense playing spectacular, if or when they do stutter a little bit, you still got Aaron Rodgers there with you. And it just seems he's not putting up the spectacular numbers or the home run touchdowns, but that offense is doing enough to keep it a game and get it done. That's my question, too, because Green Bay's got the third most points for in the division. So the offense hasn't exactly been firing. So... We're yeah. still buying, though? Yeah, I'm still buying. And I was uh, they were one of my overrated teams to begin the year, and I'll admit yeah. that. But it's because I didn't know what this defense was capable of. And I thought the first game, you're looking at it, and you're like, Man. Trubisky struggled. Yeah. And you don't look at the defense so much. It's Trubisky played bad. They didn't get the ball to the running back, uh, Tariq Cohen. And then week two and week three, the defense is still doing what they're doing, and the offense looks like it's gelling more. They're, again, they're not throwing – Raj's not throwing for 400 yards. They're not explosive. But – 
they're doing what they want to do. They're keeping the time of possession. They're slowing the game down and letting Rodgers make the decisions. Uh, he's not going to turn the ball over. So right. instead of giving him 45 tries to turn the ball over, keeping him limited and make the right decisions and keeping his defense fresh. Detroit Lions, 2-0-1. <laughs> Buy, sell. Man, I'm selling, man. Be the first I'm selling, sell. I'm selling Detroit. Be first sell. Like, you're watching the game, like, man, Detroit is How? losing this game. I'm talking about the Chargers game, and I'm talking about the Cardinals game. The Eagles game, I give them more credit for. Yeah, they played well. I thought they played well to beat. I thought they actually beat the Eagles, although they tried to let it slip away. Yes, but I'm selling Detroit, man. It's been they've been on thin ice in these three games, so I'm selling Detroit. (laughs) They've they've outperformed expectations, in my opinion. You like how they're finding ways to win. You always want to give teams credit, but I think this is a hollow two zero and one. Yeah, this is a fire sell. As quick as you can. As quick as you can. No way they keep this up. That first game, they let up an 18-point lead, and the Cardinals tie it. That second game, the Chargers handed it to them on a silver platter with a one-yard fumble uh, fumble at the one-yard from Eckler and a red zone interception from Rivers. They got this win. They got this win with the Eagles. I give it to them. This whole game, I'm thinking, okay, when are the Eagles going to come back? Detroit pulls it out. No way they keep that up. Yeah, I'm selling too, and not only for those points, but the fact that they're playing an NFC North that I just still think three teams are much better, and they haven't touched the NFC North yet. They're going to have to play the Packers twice, play the Vikings twice, play the Bears twice. So that could be – they might steal one or two, but that could be six losses right there. <laughs> that, that, I think we're all selling on Detroit there. Let's move, let's move down to the last two real quick. L.A. Rams, buy or sell? I'm selling on the Rams right selling now. Selling on the yeah, Rams? Yeah, because quietly we talk about Detroit. Ooh. We joke about Detroit. The Rams have been the same way. You know – they beat the Saints. Better defense, though. Great defense. Offensively, it's it's a problem. Their offense surprisingly is, right. They they have some issues on offense, and I think it's going to be a, a you know later on in the season teams will start to quietly teams have already figured out how to stop their run game. Uh, if we're being honest, um, they're doing the same things the Patriots have done or did in the Super Bowl. Golf, I you know he's played well. But there's still something about golf that kind of keeps you like, you know what? I don't, I don't know yet. But I, I'm, I'm selling right now on the Rams. I'm gonna have to buy on the Rams. There we go. Um, you're 100% right that teams have figured out how to stop that run game. We have seen barely any production out of Gurley, but Malcolm Brown is quietly doing well, getting a good amount of touches and getting stealing some touchdowns. But that defense is for real, for real. They had a great game against. Um, they had a great game last week against the Browns, locking them down. Granted, some play calls could have been different, but they locked them down. That Panthers game, the offense did enough to keep him in it, and I believe that McVay will change his offense enough week to week yeah. to be able to get it done because he is he's seemingly becoming more and more of an offensive guru in this league. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying the Rams. Uh, I do agree that the offense hasn't looked like the machine that it was last year, but I think that's what makes them special is that their defense has been winning games for them. And yeah. now that they're 3-0, and they can continue on this pace. They go up to like six, seven wins, and then all of a sudden then the offense gets kicked into gear. Then you start to see them going again. Uh, I do like it, and I'm not too sold on the division that they're in. So I think that with that being added to it, I think the offense will get right. Um, but that was concerning to see golf the late interception yesterday in a, in a throw that looked like a, a rookie type of decision. Let's move to the last one. The 49ers, buying or selling? Selling. Listen, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. I know where, the, I know where this is, is going. <laughs> yesterday is going to say QB win, right? 
you get points. Oh, 71% of his passes. Outstanding accuracy. One touchdown, two picks. This dude also had two fumbles. Now, this dude so far has five touchdowns and four interceptions. Last year when he got hurt, five touchdowns, three picks. Previous year, first year in San Francisco when he got that that blazing new contract, five, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. What is it about Jimmy Garoppolo that has people thinking that they're going to be anything sustainable? What they should be talking about is their defense, which has been outstanding. Yes. It turned the ball over. I am selling San Francisco because I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're making it too much about him and less about the backs. They got talent in the backfield that they should get the ball to a little bit more. All those guys have speed to, to hit the home run, and yet you have Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the football 27, 25, yesterday 32 times. How are you selling, man? You're just a Jimmy G hater, man. He, I'm, he's, a, he's I'm a realist. realist. He's okay. a realist. <laughs> For realist. Honestly, though, honestly, I'm going to have to sell as well. <laughs> there it is. Well played. No, uh, like Jimmy G's just doing enough to get the job done. This defense is where it's at, right? And like you said, they have tons of running backs to get it done. But their schedule for the rest of the season is is tough. They have the Rams, the Panthers, the Seahawks twice, the Packers, the Ravens, the Falcons. The Rams again, they, there's no way I see them continuing this type of production. That schedule is going to get the best of them when it comes down to it. I'm selling too. Uh, I'm not a Jimmy G believer either. And uh, I actually thought I saw more production out of Nick Mullen, uh, Nick Mullins last year than I am seeing out of Jimmy G, honestly. I know that was more shock than uh, what we were expecting from Jimmy G, but you pay a guy over $100 million, you're expecting him to play like he's over $100 million. And they're winning games because of the defense and because they've got – Really, right now, four running backs they can trust to carry the load. I mean, listen, as much as we just talked about quarterbacks that win and the bad quarterbacks are never on the losing side, Jimmy G is 11-2 and two as a starter. So yeah. they're winning, and he's been a part of that. <laughs> but, man, it just it, it feels very Josh Allen-y to me. But that, that, that's like a pitcher who he's got 16 wins on the season, but his team is scoring like seven and a half runs a game for him, and he's allowing five. Like the ERA is jacked up all over the place. <laughs> right. yeah. But he's winning games. Win-loss, he's, he's winning games. I don't okay. understand your, that point, but it sounds like it. Because <laughs> I don't know baseball like that, but it sounds like Just you made, trust me on yeah, this. It sounds like you made my point for me, so I, I agree I, with it. I, I, have I, doubled agree. Up, I have doubled up and reinforced your exactly. point. Exactly. That, that is what I have done with that. I agree with it. Because baseball, that's like golf references that these broadcasters throw. Like, bro, I don't play golf. I don't get it. Four. Like, yeah. Final analogy. <laughs> sure. Four. Right. All right. Let's, let's go real quick here. Let's talk about week four here before we wrap up the podcast. Again, one quick take on each one of these games. We're going to start with Thursday night. The 3-0 Packers taking on the struggling Philadelphia Eagles. Who wins this ball game? Win it. Now, you asked for a prediction on a Monday. Like, <laughs> hey. I'll give you a preview. Short week for both Philly and I tried, and Green folks. Bay. I tried. All right, fine. One point, no predictions. Just, you know, cower out of it. That's Can fine. Philly get healthy fast <laughs> enough before Thursday? Because, again, they're going to need full strength on a perimeter to help True. them out. So that's going to be what I'm be looking for. If you do want prediction, folks, you can listen to the all uh, NFL All-32 TV show. There you go, Dave. The now you get it. <laughs> yeah, that has to be the the prediction right there. Is is Philly going to be healthy? Because if not, the Packers, I think that the Packers are going to move to four and zero. There's no way the Eagles will be able to keep up with that Packers de- intensive a defense if they couldn't even do it with Detroit. 
100 percent uh this is a must win for the eagles at one and two in this division they could fall really behind on the cowboys here who can move to four and oh easily and really put this division to bed in the first half the first quarter of the season two struggling teams down in miami chargers dolphins which two of these awful teams in the early going is going to get a victory? You say awful, awful. like the Chargers oh. are all Chargers are disrespect. Right, that's so disrespectful. <laughs> like, win losses, they're one and two. They're not good. But I will say this: like I, I will be looking to see, continuing to see how Miami responds to to adversity. You know, no one wants to be the team to go winless, and you want to see a team improve each and every week. So, can they get off the mat and get their first win, or? Uh, and also, can the Chargers avoid a letdown because they tend to play down to their opponents? Yeah, you saw the Dolphins play the Cowboys tighter in the first half and let the game slip away once the second half came. And we've already seen it from the Chargers that they they can throw away games uh, late in in this league this season. Uh, are they going to put the letdown up against the Dolphins, or are they actually going to close out a game like we hope to see this Chargers team do? That's 100% the Chargers playing down to their competition and playing to, playing to the level uh, no matter what. I mean, Phillip Rivers is the, is the man when it comes to that. Um, they were the team that nearly gave the Browns their first win yeah. uh, two years ago, and they're the type of team that when they're on the road, they are literally <laughs> their opponent. They mirror it, and this is the type of game where you're at 1-2. and two, Phillip Rivers and company need to, they, to must win. They're 1-2 and two in an AFC West that has the Chiefs. You've got to play better. Two teams that are 1-2 and two in this next one, but seemingly going in different directions. Titans at the Falcons. Falcons have to get much more consistent. Tennessee has to do better up front along the offensive line. Can Matt Ryan actually put together a full game? He constantly starts the game off slow and tries to fight his way back. Can he put together a full game? And can Marietta prove that he should be the starting quarterback in Tennessee. Yeah, this game's on Mariota to me. Uh, Matt Ryan will struggle in the red zone per use, but he will put up points, and the team, in, especially at home, will throw up at least three touchdowns. Can Mariota answer? That's the be the question in this game. Divisional matchup in Baltimore: Ravens and Browns. Mayfield versus Jackson. If both team guys are on this on their game, this could be a really fun one. Yeah, we saw this play out last year in Week 17 when Baltimore had to win the game to get into the playoffs, uh, and they were able to do that. Can Baltimore? not allow one loss to become two? And can Cleveland find their offensive rhythm and make this a track meet? Yeah, this is just another game for Baker against a tough defense. Will he prove that he's not as skittish as he's been and he can actually stay in the pocket and deliver the ball to these all-star wide receivers? Yeah, the Ravens' defense uh, is not the same Ravens' defense we're used to, but they're still very good, and they need to prove it this week and not allow the Browns to have this bounce-back game that they're looking for. Two undefeated teams up in upstate New York. Buffalo taking on New England. Does the Buffalo defense have a chance to stand up for this one? Absolutely, because they have the best defense in the division, in my opinion. And we're going to learn a lot about Josh Allen in this ballgame. I hate to put all of that on his shoulders, but how he responds to this challenge of playing the Patriots. We saw it in ugly for them last year. It's a huge statement game for Buffalo. Definitely a good point, but this Patriots defense might be the best Patriots defense that I've seen in a long while. Can Josh Allen get it done against them? Because we know that this Bills defense is going to make it tough for Brady. I think that this is going to be a close game. Can Josh Allen pull out the huge upset in New England? Yeah, it's definitely going to be closer than people are going to give it credit for because Bill Belichick is the master at just, uh, designing defenses and designing play uh, game plans for rookie quarterbacks and for just teams in general, but it's tough to 
design a game plan for a guy that makes most of his plays out of the pocket and improvising. So if Josh Allen can continue to be himself and the defense steps up, you might see a low-scoring game that comes out either way. Another undefeated matchup, Kansas City taking on the Lions. There's no way the Lions <laughs> can continue this, can they? Bro, with the way the Lions have found ways to win, it wouldn't surprise me to see them <laughs> blow out Three Kansas City. 3-0-1. Right? Uh, but, again, defensively they've been excellent, but I want to see how that defense can do against this track team in Kansas City. That's going to be the biggest matchup that I'll be watching. Every time you mention undefeated in the Lions in the same season, <laughs> in the same sentence, I have to laugh. There's no way they keep up with the, this Kansas City offense. I look for Mahomes to have another three-touchdown day against this Lions defense. Can Matt Stafford make it interesting? And he's going to be throwing the game, the ball the entire game. He's throwing the game. <laughs> throwing the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that fraudulent slip right there. <laughs> uh, my, my key to this game is the Lions running game that hasn't been there all year. Carry on Johnson's going to need to carry the load and he's going to need to keep this Chiefs offense off the field if he wants to keep this game close because relying on Matt Stafford he'll put up the numbers but he'll also give the give the other team three uh three chances to return it back ah the Daniel Jones train becomes back to MetLife Stadium they take on the Washington Redskins Giants against another mediocre defense this is another win for Daniel Jones (laughs) here's what here's the matchup in this game uh because based off how Monday night goes if Monday night goes terrible for Case Keenum this could be a rookie matchup in MetLife yeah Uh, but I don't expect Keenum to be terrible against the Bears but I want to know what type of defense they're going to face and this will be the first game fully without Saquon Barkley yes and one more week they'll get uh, Golden Tate back so the receiver core is going to get better Running game is going to be the where I would, would want to watch in this in this matchup. Yeah, the report just came out that Saquon is expected to miss four to eight weeks with cool. that high ankle sprain. The matchup in this game is going to be Case Keenum against that Swiss cheese of the Giants secondary. <laughs> the we know that defense. it is because there's they had <laughs> Washington has a couple of rookie wide receivers who have stepped it up and got it done for them, and the Giants have proved that they can't cover anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones with the way the draft played. See, I would just, oh, I would just start Haskins just for spite and <laughs> just let him go. Do it. <laughs> let it roll. But no, it's it's this is a game that Daniel Jones could win. This is a defense that struggled. They've given up the big play. Um, if the, for the Redskins defense, you need to you need to contain Daniel Jones in the pocket and force him to go through his reads uh, in order to win this game. Next one up, the Texans taking on the Panthers. Again, no Cam Newton for Carolina next week again, but the Texans have been clicking on both sides of the ball to start with. This Texans game will look like every other Texans game. <laughs> so this is expected to be outstanding and fun to watch from start to finish. Yeah, I think this is going to be a shootout. We know that the Texans team can put up points, and the Panthers and Allen prove that without Cam, they can still do it as well. So this should be a shootout. Texans home, hopefully, we'll see if that gives them the edge. I'm excited to see the back quarterback for the Panthers, see if he can repeat what he did last week. Um, Allen put up some big-time point, uh, big time numbers uh, in a big win. Uh, it's going to be a much tougher road, though, going to Houston. Colts taking on the Raiders in this next one. Again, the Colts no, doesn't look like they've lost a step without Andrew Luck. Bursette has done a great job so far. Man, David Carr has been blocking a lot of people on Twitter that has been critical of his <laughs> Like People have been pointing out technical issues, and he's been blocking like a storm. <laughs> so what I will be watching is the quarterback matchup. Jacoby Brissett, who has quietly played efficient football 
Uh, I thought last week was his best game. And let's see if that can continue to move in, moving forward against a Raiders team that can be pesky. Yeah, we, we called Brissett in the beginning of the season. No no worries for nope. the Colts yet. But this Raiders team, I thought that they would have played better defensively this past mm-hmm. week against the Vikings. I look for them to bounce back this week and actually put up a fight against this Colts team because we saw them hold Kansas City scoreless for three quarters. It was just a one quarter, got Kansas City the victory. Can they do the same against the Colts? Uh, for the Raiders, uh, I know Jacobs got hurt last game, but this is the type of game – that Josh Jacobs is uh, needs to be big in this game because you can't rely on Derek Carr to really take the uh, take the whole game on his shoulders like he had to last week. It's funny because I got to give a shout out to uh, Luke Diamond who also records here. We're recording that <laughs> the biggest Colts fan. He's in the, the biggest Northeast. Colts fan. He records a podcast for the culture, but. I heard him record when we were like getting ready to do our stuff, and he is, you know, obviously they won, so he's in full fanboy mode, right? So he's like, "Oh my god, that's why you know, you take a guard at number six overall." Like, bro, you never <laughs> say that's why you take a guard at number six. So the way he talks, Quentin Nelson better win NFL MVP. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's keep going over to the uh, four o'clock games. Cardinals still looking for their first win. The Seahawks looking to come back after a tough loss. Yeah, at some point, Arizona is going to have to find a running game, and that's what I'll be watching for. Yeah, most definitely, and that's at some point, the Seahawks defense is going to have to step up to its full potential, especially with the addition of Jadavian Clowney. Will they be able to shut down this rookie quarterback? Yeah, 100% get the ball to David Johnson. The guy is too talented to be touching the ball less than 10 times a game. Uh, make it easy on your rookie quarterback. Buccaneers travel to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Rams, do they stay 4-0? Can't let one loss become two if you're Tampa Bay, if you're the Rams. This will be a golf game. Golf has to step up and have some success throwing the football because I think Tampa does a great job in stopping the run. Yeah, I need to see Mike Evans get involved for Tampa. He was involved the whole first half with the Giants going off on them, but then that second half he disappeared until the last offensive play pretty much, and that's what cost him the game. Can they keep getting Mike Evans the ball, and can Jameis keep not turning the ball over? The Buccaneers are going to need both running backs and Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones to really step up this game. One thing you can do to this Rams team is run because they get so much, they get so upfield, these D linemen, you're able to run on, uh, get running lanes. So if the Buccaneers can control the ball, and like you said, Jameis Winston doesn't turn this ball over, it could make this an interesting game. A divisional matchup at Soldier Field. Bears taking on the Vikings. Can Chicago finally get that offense clicking against a Minnesota team who's put up a lot of points so far? Well, you have to hope they do because that's going to be the biggest key. Minnesota's defense is phenomenal, and they can run the football. This will be the Kurt Warner game. Not Kurt Warner. Kurt Cousins game. Kurt Cousins versus Mr. Trubisky. Man, like this is going to be one that whoever loses this game, the fan base will – just land base to quarterback position. and whoever wins it kurt warner will say he is the next mvp <laughs> best game i saw all week <laughs> this game is going to come down to the chicago bears front seven and dalvin cook because if you could stop dalvin cook i don't think kurt cousins is going to beat you with his arm with his vikings team he hasn't showed that he can do that yet this season so if they can stop dalvin cook for the first time of going over 100 yards this season i think the bears are in good shape Bears need to get the ball to Tariq Cohen. We've all said it today. I mean, you just gotta, you gotta get the ball to Cohen. You gotta give the ball, and, and you gotta work the running game because uh, if you let Mitch Trubisky make a lot of decisions against his Viking defense, it's probably not going to be good for them. Jaguars taking on the Broncos. The Minshew era continues. It goes to mile high. Flacco not doing anything for Denver. This is a critical game for the Broncos. Their offensive line is going to have to keep, you know, 
eight foot six Calais Campbell out of the backfield. <laughs> this dude's been on a he's tear. He's up to eight foot six. Right, now. he's up to eight foot six now. And Josh Allen's been <laughs> rushing the passer, so this will be about the pass rushes, in my opinion. Yeah, most definitely. I'm still riding this Jaguar train hard. I said patience last week. It's a full out right now. Minshew, I am believer of the stash. Keep it up, Jacksonville. How long until you. a mustache giveaway? It's going to be a, a matter of weeks at this point. <laughs> yeah, if the Jaguars look like they did uh, this past week. They're going to be just fine. Uh, the Broncos are very concerning, and Joe Flacco is not playing winning football to help out. And the defense isn't helping itself out. Zero sacks um, with the defense that has Chubb on one side and Bob Mill on the other last week is very, very surprising. Sunday night football in the Superdome. Cowboys at Saints. This could be a really entertaining ball game. This is this is another game for Dak Prescott to add more zeros to his pending you know, new contract. So it should be a great game. Bridgewater, uh, the Saints' future franchise quarterback, the Cowboys' current franchise quarterback. I'm going to be excited to watch this one play out. Yeah, this is going to be a good game. You know, I didn't have that much faith in uh, the Saints coming into this past week against the Seahawks. Um, I doubted Bridgewater, which I shouldn't have done. He's an NFL. He's definitely an NFL caliber quarterback. He showed that with the Vikings. He showed that a little bit when he was with the Jets rehabbing, and now he comes in and gets the job done against the Saints big time. It took a late push from the uh, Seahawks to even make the game close. I look for the Saints to put up points against this Dallas offense, uh, against this Dallas defense. It should definitely be a shootout. Yeah, challenging the Saints defense on this one. Dak Prescott, especially after the last two games, second time, second half adjustments has been able to really just go nuts on against uh, opposing defenses. This is big on the Saints. They need to play four quarters of football to help out their uh, quarterback and get the W in this one. Monday night. I'm not sure the schedule major makers wanted this one to be the uh, an 0-3 versus 0-3 matchup, but here we are, Cincinnati taking on the Steelers. Somebody has to get off the mat on Monday night. Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting game for a guy like Andy Dalton, you know, who has to play much better. Yes. And you, that that's going to be the key. And can Mason Rudolph get a, a full game of con- uh, continuous stellar play instead of outside of two throws? Yeah, this is a game between two teams going into the year. You would have thought one of their strengths would be the running backs on these teams. You got Joe Mixon, who's not really producing at all. Then you got James Conner, who also is not really producing at all. Can either of these running games actually get underway and make noise? Yeah, it's on Mason Rudolph in this game to me because the the Bengals have proved that they are – they're similar. They had that first good week, and they had the tough loss, but it was at least a good game in Seattle. And then they've kind of fallen back into where we thought Cincinnati would be. Uh, this is a good step and a good team for Mason Rudolph to start to get things going for this offense. I will give one last prediction before we sign off this podcast. This is stone cold. <laughs> the Jets will not lose this week because they're on a bye. <laughs> I give you. I give. You'll be happy for this, Dave. Uh, I'll take the bye week and the points. Way, I'll take Go the bye week and the points. <laughs> Breaking news here for Dave. Enjoy. Uh, according to Sports Center. Antonio Brown announced that he has re-enrolled at Central Michigan. We all for education here. Re-enrolled at Central Michigan. Uh, see, we had a full podcast without any Antonio Brown saga <laughs> to deal with. Good, bad, or indifferent. Wait, hold you on. Had to bring that. Is he up. paying tuition? Is he going for free? This is BS. Right. That, that'll <laughs> be right. He's, Central Michigan has offered him $20.5 million guaranteed if he comes back to school for one more year. Uh, folks, that'll do Shout it. out to the Chippewas. Folks, that'll do it for the NFL All 32 podcasts. I want to, if you want to listen back to any of the other podcasts that we've done here on 
the Football Game Plan Network. You can go to SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can listen to them there on demand. Just search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. And again, if you want to follow up, the NFL All 32 TV show is on the Game Plus Network at 6.30 on what night is that, Emery? Tell the people. NFL All 32 is at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Our college football tailgate. On what is day, though? What day for the Thursday? NFL? Thursday. There we go. Friday is college football tailgate. Also, check out the footballgameplan.com. Uh, go to footballgameplan.com slash go go offense and check out the go go offense book. And if you watch the uh, NFL 32 TV show, Emery will give his expert predictions. So you can get an analysis there. based off full tape and not just a, a Monday morning podcast. On Twitter? You, oh, you mean not on, on just on right. Twitter? Right. Ask me predictions on a Monday morning. Week. <laughs> well, I'm still going to be asking your predictions on at least a Tuesday. Come on now. What's going on with you? Uh, again, folks, that'll do it for us here for Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, the star of the playbook, Emery Hunt, and myself, David Hassagan. Thanks for listening in and enjoy your week four games.